You are listening to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MSP Ignite. MSP Ignite offers a peer group experience that is unique to managed service providers in the technology industry. If you are serious about implementing a model for success through sharing and collaboration of best practices, this is the best way to do it. Head on over to msp-ignite.com to get more information. All right, on to the show. Welcome to this episode of MSP 1337. I'm joined by Greg Edwards of Crypto Stopper and an MSP. Uh, Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. So uh, in lieu of all of the little details of how people connect on LinkedIn, I'll jump right to the chase. You've got a, you run a company that was in an evolution out of your MSP to help, you know, stop ransomware. And I thought, what, what better conversation to have than is there hope when it comes to ransomware? And I would say absolutely yes. I mean, like the MSPs and companies that are just sticking their head in the sand and saying there's no hope we're going to get hit anyway is not, I mean, it's not true. There is hope and you can protect your network and your clients' networks from ransomware. So I had a, uh, an episode a few weeks back. I featured Marcus Random, uh, co-founder of Tenable. And he had a lot of things to say about kind of in that zero trust mindset where we go back to the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, you build websites with, with directories. And so some of the things he was talking about is like when a request comes in to go through a firewall, you know, are you saying uh, these are the only directories where these pages can live? And oh, by the way, they have to have these extensions and these are read-only folders. And one of the things he said to me is like, you go to the development team or the marketing team and they're like, well, that's too much work. He's like, how is it too much work to have say an organized folder structure? And then fast forward to where we are today and we talk about uh, network architecture and the things that our users do, whether it's with OneDrive or OneSync or whatever, you, what it, whatever it could be that has file storage. And most people by and large do not have any sort of like, it's like in their head, organized, but it's not necessarily. Is it part of this because we've gotten lazy because the search tools and finding stuff's easy, regardless of how we put it in there? Well, and I, I think that that's part of it, but it still can be protected even in that unstructured data manner. So I, I really, I love the zero trust framework Right, But that is, zero trust is really difficult to get to with most clients. So put right. the right tools in place to be able to protect them, however their data is structured. And, and you know, I'm all about segmenting networks and putting obstacles in place for the attackers, Right, but it has to be usable for the users. And we as MSPs can put the right tools and have the right stack in place to be able to prevent those attacks, prevent ransomware, prevent the breaches, um, and, and train the users. Right. So, so obviously we, we all talk about tools and products and services and, you know, I think sometimes our heads spin, but I, I still have this thought in my head and, and, and help me if I'm, cause I started with like zero trust and we, we both are in agreement there. 
and that's not, that's just not realistic. You don't come into a prospect and say, um, well, we're going to start with zero trust. And, <laughs> and if, if what I see is legitimate, I'll, I'll whitelist it. Oh, that's Microsoft or that's Google or whatever. We're, we're good there. But isn't that part of what actually does need to happen to be able to go into a client and say, what are the applications that you use? Do you have an inventory list of what's approved or not approved? Because I mean, I don't know how many times I've done that with a client of say eight or 10 and we spend you know six weeks trying to figure out what they're actually using for work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most, most networks that, that I'm seeing even now um, coming into as prospects, I mean, they're a complete mess. And there's, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's the brutal truth of where we are right now. And it's no wonder that there are so many ransomware attacks happening. I don't know if you've seen any of the, the articles on the director of the FBI talking about that the FBI right now is tracking a hundred different just Russian criminal organization groups that have anywhere in the last week have um, they've been notified of anywhere from a dozen to hundreds of specific attacks just on the Russian attackers. Right. I, I didn't see that one specifically, but I had a, a, a red one recently that was uh, similar, but it was tied to uh, was really targeting like they could say this was definitively coming from China. So it, I'm, I'm guessing there's a whole bunch of these now that are starting to emerge where we're really talking about it in the media. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's so many attacks happening. I mean, I, I would think CEOs and MSP owners have to just be, I mean, their heads have to be spinning about when are we going to get hit? And that to come back to your original question of, is there hope to right. be able to stop ransomware? Yeah. I mean, we, we, as MSP owners have to get control of the tools that we're using and make sure that they're properly deployed and using. I mean, that's the thing that, that I think most, I mean, the tools that are out there right now are awesome. It's right. a matter of getting the right set of tools, getting the, the techs trained and making sure that they're deployed properly and then auditing and making sure that it's, they're installed and that they're working. I looked at a, a service the other day. It was a product the other day uh, out of Tel Aviv and their product focus, their product focus was, um, is the SaaS application configured correctly? And then taking that to a step further and saying, if I, if I put a, a framework, CIS or, or NIST, if I put that framework and, and looked at it through that lens, where it's applicable, do the controls line up and satisfy that there's evidence to support not only properly configured, but also secure. And it kind of hit me, you know, upside the head. Cause I'm like, okay, small client, 10, 15 employees. And they've got, let's just say conservatively, they have 10 legitimate applications. We know that's way more than that, but let's just mm -hmm. say it's 10. <laughs> I have to log in. If I'm their CISO, I have to log in to each one of those accounts. And if I'm lucky, check and verify that all of the users are properly configured, 2FA is turned on, because some of these apps don't even have a good like 
click this to run a report and see if it meets any sort of security requirements. Most don't. Right, right. <laughs> it's not It's not like some don't. Right, Most right. Don't. That's fair. <laughs> Most don't. And I thought, man, if there's products and tools out there that do this, well, now I can start identifying what products and services I need to complement post a good configuration. Because I think to some degree, correct me if I'm wrong, but if an MSP's clients, all of the SaaS applications and their internal user profiles are configured correctly, we've probably eliminated 75% or more of the threat surface of the client because we did what we're supposed to do instead of like, well, they want this done yesterday, so let's just turn it on. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, but how do you, how, how do you do that? Right. How do you do that effectively as an MSP when most MSPs probably don't even know all the applications that their clients are running in the first place, right? So, it's, and if you do, even adding them to a product or service that can give you that kind of visibility, how long does that take? Because it's not right. it's not all at once. It's still one at a time to add them into the dashboard. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there, but it, but again, I mean take the big ones. I mean, get, make sure yeah. Office 365 is configured. Properly. The ones that like, the hackers are looking for, right? Yeah. <laughs> we start right. with these five top apps to go after, right? Yeah, You're exactly. using box.com. I'm not so keen on going after that one right now. <laughs> right. So We've talked a lot about like, you know, what are the things that should be done that aren't necessarily related to having hope against ransomware, but they contribute. Talk to me a little bit about how you came about with why, why crypto stopper. And again, the audience is, is you know, they, they're interested in, in what's out there, but really I know that as an MSP and a lot of what, you know, like you said this before, Kaseya says, you know, made for MSPs by MSPs. And I think that's important of an important statement, especially when it's true. Um, <laughs> this was not like an overnight decision. You know, you've, you had malware bites and these other products before you came to the conclusion that you needed to build something different. What, what was that path? Because I think you're, you found hope by this approach. Yeah, so with with CryptoStopper, um, so I've owned an MSP since 1998, and we started seeing um, started seeing ransomware attacks in 2012 uh, in the MSP, and then I also out of the MSP started an offsite backup and disaster recovery company that was national, uh, and we had between 2012 and 2015 had 20 percent of our offsite backup clients get hit by ransomware. And so I knew that, and the engineers that worked for me, I mean, we all knew this was going to be a massive problem. And this was way back in 2015, 2016. And so we built um, actually a PowerShell script okay. to deploy bait files and then monitor those bait files and set automation around firewall rules to then shun the offending machine. Right. So that was, you know, that was Basically 20 machine isolation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was um, 2015 version of crypto stopper. Sure. And it, it took nine seconds from ransomware actually running to be able to create, you know, to detect it and kill it. 
And in ransomware terms, I mean, nine seconds is an eternity. And right. it was still chewing through hundreds of files in that nine seconds, but it was better than millions of files. <laughs> right. And, and uh, so that evolved over time. Um, we actually converted then to uh, C sharp and you know real real development environment outside sure. of PowerShell, uh, and, and built a, a portal behind it so all the agents could be monitored from from the portal. Um, and and then actually at the beginning of this year, just so you know that that's an evolution from 2015 right. to 2021, um, where we actually launched now to the MSP channel and sell sell the product uh, exclusively through the through MSP partners. So along those lines, I, I think I think you bring up something interesting. Uh, product aside. Is that when, or, or your specific product aside, is that when vendors have the agent, and I don't know how many times I heard like, oh man, I'm just running another agent on my computer. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I'd rather have 30 agents running in my system tray than say one, I won't name the vendor in my system tray that it's like, man, ever since I put this on my computer, I feel like I have like no memory left. My CPU and fans are always going nonstop. Like, as long as that's Wait. not happening, I think that there's a rule of thumb that says, I don't care how many things are in system tray, as long as performance doesn't tank. Yeah, and, and I completely agree. I mean, I think that as MSPs, I mean, at least for right now, we have to get over the agent fatigue right. and just get the tool set that works properly and is going to stop not only ransomware, but data breach and uh, malicious actors in general. And that's to me, I've been doing this since I think 2014 is when we um, we standardized on a security stack, mm -hmm. and and it's modified sure since then. Well, yeah, start somewhere. But it, right, right. Um, but having that standardized stack, making sure the the techs understand how to use the tools and the tools are configured properly. I mean. I, I don't see any option other than that. And if it is six tools or 10 tools, then that's what it has to be. And that's, I mean, I've heard um, differing ranges of that six to, you know, six to 12 agents sure. running is, is the norm. And so like along, along those lines, I think it's really interesting that, you know, you got a standardized stack. I think we talked about this before we started recording um, this episode and, you know, you, you chastise me, we should be recording, but the, <laughs> the question that comes to mind is, is, can you have too much when it comes to tools and services, or maybe that's not how I phrased it, but we're, we're defining a stack as an MSP that often involves more and more products and services in order to achieve a result that's, you know, somehow we're reducing the number of people to do with more AI when we can. But there's a balancing act that I'm still struggling with because I think about like, I add whatever the product is to the stack. There is a percentage of FTE that starts to come into play that I think a lot of MSPs don't really consider when they're evaluating a new product. And I see it more commonly when you get into like the, the seam tools, you know, like an alien vault type thing where it's like, it's a pretty heavy lift to put it in. 
maybe you can get some streamlined after the fact and reduce, you know, the FTE overhead. But is there a, is there a thought process that you have when you're looking at whether it's a product that you've built or, or services that you're consuming that you're like, how do I ensure that the, uh, the people visit the people eyes on this doesn't become uh, greater than, you know, the revenues to support it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the way that, and that is absolutely a concern and has to be. Um, and the way that, that I've done that within my MSP is set a per endpoint price that's high enough to be able to absorb that and then look sure. at as we're putting, because it's, I mean, the heavy lift is on the front end, right? Of getting oh, of that course. stack in place and getting the SecOps team in place. Um, that's where the heavy lift is. So you've got to look at what, what is that stack going to be? What's it going to take? Can we realistically do that? And if you can't, then you can't, but I would say, then you're not going to be in business in three to five years because for your clients are going to get hit that you're going to be out of business anyway. So you might as well figure out what is that price point that allows you to be able to put the right tools in place and then go, I mean, this sounds rough, but go fire the clients that aren't on board with it. Right. And that's, and, 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 and you and I both know that that's the, it's really easy to say that, right. It's really <laughs> easy to say, uh, I'm going to go out and fire 35% of my annual revenue that contribute to say 65% of my profit because they're easygoing clients. They pay their bills on time, but they don't take security seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and, um, for me, I, I did this within my MSP and it was about a 40% that wow. we, we cut. And, and did your growth drastically improve in the profitability space as you layered this other it, stuff off with peace of mind after that? It has now. I mean, sure. that was, you know, that was 2014. So, so I was going to actually ask that question that you literally, you kind of answered it, but I'll ask the question anyways. In 2014, you talked about standardizing your security stack, which obviously included products and services that you didn't have in your stack before as a result of what you were seeing, you know, going back to 2012 and probably a little bit earlier that we just didn't have a name for it yet. Fast forward for me, as you look at 2014 and on your stack costs, I mean, we say this a lot in the MSP space. If you're not charging somewhere between 95 and 175 dollars, because that's not a broad range, then you're going to go out of ba- you know you're going to be going out of business. And I and I think the actual way to say it is like if your margin of of uh, profitability on a say a per user model should be 35 percent or higher, I think it is in order to stay profitable as things fluctuate. How big of an increase in cost to say per user did you see? As you've gone from 2014 to now, yeah. So, I, and and I'll give the number of what we we charge 150 per endpoint for our full security stack and fully managed service. So, and that's today, today, today. yep. And where were you today. at in 2014? So we started out at 90. Okay, uh, and have have ramped up to 150, uh, and that's that's enough margin and we're we're based in Iowa so you know cost of limiting and and hiring techs is a little less when we can hire techs sure. <laughs> right um, but 
you know, so if you're on the coast, it's going to be probably, I would almost say certainly more than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you've got to figure out for yourself. And, and I, I get that that's a hard calculation to do. And we just kind of said, okay, throw the blade grass. Like, up, check yeah. The wind. <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah. Who's biting when I fish? Yeah. Does the bobber go down? <laughs> right. But but again, I actually care very little about the actual number. I, I think it's more of what I wanted to hear was what what had to change in in your stack, which I mean to increase your stack cost to user by sixty dollars in a in roughly a seven year period of time with inflation's not terrible. So yeah. So to yeah. some extent the, the costs. The cost factor, because you hear this a lot from MSPs, my clients can't pallet the increasing cost. What are you layering on so quickly that you think that that's a good idea to then go to your client and go, it's going up by $20 a month per user today? Yeah. So, so it's the, I mean, the big things were the 24 seven security operations center, um, mm -hmm. EDR. Really, right. I mean, those, so the managed those EDR two. really were the big drivers of that, of those cost increases that I think today are crazy. You have to have them. Yeah. Yeah. It almost says you're not an MSP, in my opinion, when you say, and of course, you, there's all kinds of splitting hairs of what means an it, MSP or MSSP. But I think when you add a sock, when you truly have a sock, we go beyond knock and help desk. I think you're shifting the world that you live in as an MSP to something more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once you see the data available and you have the right security professionals, which again is really difficult to get those right. people in place. So there are certainly challenges to get there. Especially um, Iowa. <laughs> well, we did it though. Um, yeah. I mean, once you see the level of detail that you can get on what's happening with your clients' endpoints, yep. you would never not use EDR. Right. Again. So okay. So let this. So we've kind of gone. I don't want to say uh, in in a tangent, but this hasn't addressed the the one key question that we started on. Is, is there hope when it comes to ransomware? We've just talked about charging more money to layer more tools. <laughs> But I think there's there's a silver lining here, and I want I want to hear from you before we wrap this up. Tell me what you think that hope looks like. Yeah, so I mean, the the easy, and I don't want to I don't want to just plug my own product here, but that's okay. I, I think that's fair. I mean, Crypto Stopper is an easy way to at least initially plug that ransomware hole. So we use bait files that we deploy throughout the the endpoints and the server network system to detect actively running ransomware. And it's it's ransomware that's gotten past whatever other sure. tool set you do or don't have in place. Any kind of scripted ransomware attack is going to be stopped with CryptoStopper. So, you know, easy answer, just start there. But then get the, you know, then layer on those right tools that do include some variant. I mean, EDR is now not just EDR. It's all kinds of different things, but next gen AV that includes a EDR, you right. got to get there and right. figure out how to get there. Otherwise, I mean, clients are just going to get, they're going to get hit. So would you say that there's like 
aside from, you know, obviously getting, you know, cyber stopper uh, is to, to have, there, there's no excuses for not doing 2FA multi-factor authentication everywhere that you can. Like if it's, if it's available for the product or service that's there, there's really no excuse to not implement it. Fair? Fair. Absolutely fair. That's, and then like, it, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, getting it, but do the big ones. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, make sure Office 365, Google Workspace, you know, it, any of anywhere data is housed, make sure those are taken care of first. If it has a neon <laughs> sign attached to it, make sure that either right. you turn the light off as in it's not being used anymore or put that in place. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then I would say that the third one um, is your, what you said, next gen AV slash EDR. I think, I think it's, we gotta be careful in, in those, in that statement, because it's like, I think next gen AV is, is kind of critical in what those things do, but it also needs an EDR to go with it because we can argue easily. I think products like windows defender, uh, Webroot and some of these others, I've seen MSPs are like, they're, they're pulling them out and putting them in like nobody's business. Cause they're like, well, it didn't catch this one thing. And this other thing caught it. And I'm like, well, what's the goal that that product really has? And is it doing that well? Right. Cause right. we want them to do everything right. It, yeah. And there's not, I mean, that's the thing that we talked about earlier that you know, everybody wants that one silver bullet and doesn't want all, he doesn't want 12 agents. Right. Running. But right. that's just not realistic today. I mean, that maybe I, I do see the consolidation sure. happening, um, but we're still, I think we're five years out from that silver bullet kind of tool where somebody pulls it all together and even then it's still going to be multiple agents. And, and does it, and does that change all over again? Right. So if you go back in time, let's say late nineties through, uh, through like say 2010, it was a pretty consistent pattern. Your, your AV tools stopped things from causing the machines to stop functioning where you got the blue screen and had to reinstall windows. Yeah. It was more, but, it was more about proving I could do it. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that they didn't stop them back then. Even. Right. I mean, true. We, we just went and re-imaged the machine and moved on. And it ran right? slow because of the adware, yeah. right? Like it was, yeah. um, but if you fast forward to today, my point was like back then we, we kept having products add stuff to the agent, right? Like it kept getting bigger and bigger and it did more it, and more things. Added a firewall. Yay, I got a firewall. And then, and then you fast forward and it's like, um, you fast, gosh, dang it. <laughs> got to go on dnd well it, this doesn't even have dnd <laughs> um you fast forward and what's interesting is we're we're, we're splintering out again to this agent mm. so like mm. my thought process was in yeah. five years what's going to change in five years that has us starting all over again with six to 12 or 15 agents yeah i mean that's i, I mean i see the the point i do think though that what's different now is that AV was was never going to be the one tool, right? right. I mean, it right. was firewall and AV. Yeah, fair point. Up until 2010, yep. that was that was enough. That did it. right. And then that's when that agent sprawl started happening because of the unique kinds of attacks 
that we were all seeing and AV and firewall was, was not enough. Right. Well, now all of these point products, which crypto stopper is one of, um, all of these point products to solve those individually unique attacks are coming out. And so I think that that's the difference that the AV, the big AV companies um, and VMware is one that's doing it too, um, is consolidating all of these tools down and looking at that holistically as, you know, what are the, the next attacks that are coming? Uh, and so I don't know, one of us, I might be right, or you might be right. (laughs) Things are going to change. I I would argue we're both probably right. It's just a question of what is it going to look like that we can't predict the future on? Because no one, no one said, I I remember 2015, I'll give you a quick example. I had a, I had a former employer that got hit with ransomware and I got the phone call at like midnight and like, Hey, uh, so what should we do first? And I'm like, I would call your MSP. And he's like, yeah, but he's like, do we call the police or the, and I'm like, we're just going to start with that. And it was interesting. It was a remote, uh, remote desktop exploit tied to well, we won't even get into how the security could have been done correctly, but remote desktop session that had gotten the hacker had gotten on that session with that user. And when he left the session, instead of logging off, he hit the red X and closed the window. Yeah. And at that time, they had a 45-minute session window of before it would log itself out. And in that 45-minute time, it basically took the whole thing, almost oh, everything yeah. down, uh, you know, alphabetically through folders, right? Yep, yep. Because it ran in memory, when the machine logged out, when it officially logged out, the ransomware was technically gone. Yeah. Like, there was, you could not yeah. find a trace of this yeah. at all anywhere. Yep. Yep. So we actually had to replace their entire hardware stack because it was living somewhere on one of those boxes and that we had didn't. no way to know which yeah. one it was. Yep. Yep. That was that was something that that we saw a lot of in the um, offsite backup company is that who how do you figure out where patient zero is? And that's <laughs> right. Exactly what one of the things that Crypto Stopper does is identify you know, not only in less than a second to stop it once it's actively running on the network, but then also tells you which machine has to go be cleaned up. Right. Oh, so, and as we wrap up, I think it's important to note that you've, you've said something about your product that I think is both unique, entertaining, and obviously very true. It's like, we talk about doing phishing campaigns on the more social engineering, get someone to click on an email link. You're in essence doing the exact same thing by putting bait on a hook and letting it sit there. And for those that are not used to that terminology, think like honeypot. And um, I think that's the big one is like to put a honeypot out there for them to target. And then you're like, hey, I've identified that this is happening and I know where it's coming from. And now we can be proactive. Yeah. And your product is essentially you're saying is almost red team exercise, right? Like you're doing a red team exercise with AI to when someone coming in so not just our it's not just a defense mechanism it's also offense yeah yeah we actually have a ransomware simulator to run so so that msps can actively run ransomware right within their environments to see that the tools are going to stop it when yeah. it when it happens so and and to kind of bring this full circle of is there hope to stop ransomware 
yes, I mean, it's the right tools and testing, just like with backup, like the, what's the saying that um, amateurs back up and professionals restore. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Last, literally this week's episode, I, our episode was tabletop exercises. Who's doing them? And I, I was, I was remiss to say, I have the conversations all the time, but I'm not, I wasn't doing them. So I, I have gone through some dramatic changes for me uh, to say, we're going to do the tabletop exercise. If we're going to do them for school buses, for an emergency, how do you exit a school bus? Well, good grief. A school bus is impacting, you know, 25, 30 people that are on the bus. How many people are we actually impacting when we do a tabletop exercise that's potentially for an organization of say 5,000 people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I, again, I mean, it's having the right tools, knowing how to implement them, how to do those tabletop tests, no matter what it is, whether it's ransomware or backup or DR, whatever. Um, but do them. I mean, but again, yeah. that's where as an MSP, you've got to have that right cost model to be yep. able to have the FTEs to handle that. It's the saying versus doing, right? I mean, that's yeah. really what it comes down to. It's easy to say it. It's so much different when you have to do it, especially when you got clients that are like, you can bring them, you could, yeah. how do you, how do you educate the unwilling? Right. 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 So I just want to say, uh, Greg, uh, where can people find you as this has been a great episode? Yeah. So uh, getcryptostopper.com. Um, and then on LinkedIn, Greg Edwards with there's several Greg Edwards out there. So search for Greg Edwards, uh, crypto stopper. I think it's really funny that you said get crypto stopper. Cause in my head, what I heard was get ransomware and then call me. <laughs> okay. That's not the case. <laughs> that's not the case. Hey, get it before you get ransomware. Right on. So, uh, I want to say thanks again, uh, for those of you listening, uh, this is MSP 1337. Have a great week. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you. Uh, you get to hit stop. I will. And when it's done, if you just share.